God uses everybody to proclaim the good news. I would like to speak to you today on the subject of honoring Christmas. We're starting a new series on honoring. It was birthed from the last few sermons in chapter 13 of Hebrews, different subjects on honoring, honoring the God who speaks, honoring the God who works, honoring marriage, honoring singleness. Today we're going to talk about honoring Christmas. Christmas gets blasted in the culture, it gets criticized, it gets repurposed, gets diluted, and we lose the meaning in all of it, and I do not think we need to abandon it. We need to honor, not that we worship a day or an event, but it is all about the incarnation, the Word becoming flesh, the story that has never changed. Now, all the legends around the story have changed. You know, some guy in France, I think it was, discovered the skulls of the three wise men. And he knew they were the wise men because their eyes were fixed on Bethlehem. What kind of legend is that? <laughs> so you can visit some cathedral somewhere in Europe and see the skulls of the three wise men. The scriptures don't say there were three wise men. And they come up with names of them. One of them was named Casper. I guess he's a friendly ghost anyway. Well, back to the subject. Today we're going to talk about honoring Christmas, the real story. Honoring Christmas, the real story. I just want to start off by reading some scripture. You may be anti-Christmas, and I do not want you storming out of here. You may be pro-Christmas, and I don't want you fighting with anybody over what their beliefs concerning this. But if you look at Romans chapter 14, if you have the notes, this, these verses are in, in your bulletin. The notes are Romans 14 and then Colossians 2. Romans 14 verse 5 says, One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. It's all about the glory of the Lord, isn't it? Verse 7, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So in the Christian faith, there are essential things we do not compromise on. But whether or not you celebrate Christmas on December 25th or ever celebrate Christmas, that is a non-essential thing. Okay? But I think if you're anti-Christmas, you may hear some things today that may not fully convince you, but you may see that those that do celebrate Christmas on December 25th do not have no grounds for celebrating. So don't be intimidated. But back to the point of holding days special. Respect one another's customs and traditions. If it's a non-essential issue, be at peace. Be at peace. We raised our kids without cable TV. 
But one of the elders of the church raised his kids with cable TV. And guess what? All five kids, two of ours, three of theirs, love Jesus. You raise your children to the Lord as the Lord leads you and as you know best. All right. Colossians 2, verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Quote, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Unquote. Which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Why is that? The flesh will indulge in not indulging. Well, you've heard me tell the story before, if you've come here very long, of a guy in Zimbabwe that fasted for 40 days. And every day he gave a report, wanted everyone to know his suffering. And he gave predictions on the signs and wonders that are going to happen after the 40 days. All that happened after the 40 days was there were signs and wonders all right, just signs and wonders of his weird ideas. I'm not shooting at fasting, but the Lord said, don't tell people when you do, you'll get your reward if you do. And that was his reward, people in awe. Oh, wow. That was about it. So fast in secret when you fast. So the flesh, in his case, indulged in his not indulging. And so whether you have a tree in your house or you don't have a tree in your house, do it to the glory of God. I know you've got questions. Someone's wanting to raise their hand and interrupt, but what about? Stay with me. I think we will cover that today. The real Christmas story was predicted centuries before. Centuries before was a prophecy about a virgin having a child. Centuries before was a prophecy about the seed of woman bruising the head of Satan. Centuries before was a prophecy given about someone coming through Bethlehem of Ephrata that would be the Messiah. Centuries before, a prophecy was given about a son being born whose name would be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. The government would be upon his shoulders and of the increase of his government and peace there would be no end. These are Christmas prophecies that were around for centuries before he came into the world. And this is well documented by the religion of Judaism, which does not embrace the Christmas story, but they embrace those prophecies. They're still there, and they'll tell you how long they've been there. But as believers in Jesus, we draw strength from those prophecies. They guard them, protect them, keep them from being deluded, make sure they're still there. And so we draw hope from that. 
So a lot of your Christmas story detractors are Johnny-come-latelys. A lot of these ideas that you'll find on the internet didn't come about till the 1800s. A guy named Kersey Graves wrote a book. He didn't document, he didn't quote sources, he just made outlandish statements. There's even a video you can find if you search for it called Zeitgeist. Very clever videos with closed captions and booming voices just saying big things that are anti-Jesus. No documentation. There was a Scottish pastor in an effort to shoot at the Catholic Church wrote a pamphlet in the 1800s called A Tale of Two Babylons attempting to prove that the Roman Catholic Church is Babylon again. And he too made a lot of big statements with no proof, no documentation, drawing some parallels. You may even hear people shoot at Santa Claus that Santa is a variation of the word Satan. The same letters, just jumble the letters around. See, he's Satan. Well, Santa means holy or saint. I think it's in a dialect of Dutch, Santa Claus. And so the Holy Spirit would be Santa Geist, I think. So you're going to call the Holy Spirit Satan? I mean, hello? Even in Spanish, Santo, you can't do it with that because there's an O in it. So just jumbling letters up to prove a point proves nothing. I mean, you can do that with anything, right? Uh, if your name is Ronmo, someone could say you're a moron because if you double up the words Ronmo, it would be that. The Christmas story was predicted long before, and here comes the fulfillments in probably actually 3 B.C. The Christmas story is not rooted in paganism. If you actually research a lot of these theories about these different gods being born December 25th, they became popular theories in the 1800s, centuries after the fact. Uh, well, the Christmas tree is an Asherah pole. Tree poles are made from trees, but the branches are all caught off and stripped. And Asherah pole worship was gone centuries before Christ came. And so why would they revive a pagan religion in an attempt to make converts? That makes no sense. The real Christmas story may involve December 25th. It may not. It may. So let me tell some reasons why it may, and then some reasons why it may not. One of the big reasons is shepherds won't be out in the field in December. Well, maybe in Minnesota, <laughs> but not in the Holy Land in the Middle East. They're out there year-round. Sheep do best when the temperature's in the 40s. Here's a picture somewhere in the world, sheep out grazing in the snow. They can't do that. They can unless everything is iced over. Then shepherds really got to be creative. What do you think wool is? Not just a product to make sweaters for you to keep you warm. It keeps them warm. Well, sheep are not born in December. Well, the sheep in the Middle East are born in December. And 
Israel at the time, according to Josephus, needed over 250,000 lambs every year at Passover. So they had a literal lamb birthing factory going on around Jerusalem. And it was preferred that the lambs were born within five miles of Jerusalem, which Bethlehem's five miles from Jerusalem. So it created a booming uh, industry. And so there was a tower there, I forgot the name of it, where shepherds would go to stay warm and watch over their flocks at night. And they made sure they wouldn't be harmed by the weather. But when a lamb was born, they would wrap the lamb in strips of cloth and lay the lamb in a stone feeding trough. Sound familiar? Jesus is the Lamb of God. Does that mean he was born on December 25th? No, but December is not totally unfeasible. Now, what's the reason why he could have been born at another time of year? Well, if you look at the birth of John the Baptist, the angel predicted to his father, the priest, Zechariah, who's an elderly man, during his priestly cycle. And you can triangulate from that cycle to his mother, Elizabeth, uh, it doesn't say it was six months from the angelic visitation to Zechariah. Remember, Zechariah was visited by an angel, told he'd have a son. He argued with him, so the angel said, okay, you won't be able to talk. So no more words of unbelief could come out of his mouth. And uh, he went home speechless and couldn't talk till the day the boy was born and then his tongue was loose, he was able to speak. So men, there may be a message there. Cut out, cut out the rant and raven. You never know what might happen. Anyway, Or do some listening. You might never know what might happen. So when Elizabeth had been pregnant for six months, we do not know the day she became pregnant, but when, let's assume after his priestly cycle, he goes home and she gets pregnant right away. Then six months later, Mary visits her because she's now newly pregnant. So you could triangulate maybe nine to ten months from Zachariah's priestly ministry, his son John was born, and six months from that, Jesus was born. Well, maybe it was in September that he was born. I don't know. You work it out. Whatever day you come up with is fine. It's a non-essential thing. Okay, back to the attack on December 25th. Who are Mithra, Dionysus, Nimrod, Krishna, Sol Invictus, and St. Nicholas. These are all people the critics of Christmas say were born on December 25th, and that Christmas, as well as St. Nicholas, hijacked December 25th from the pagans. All right, there's no record of Mithra's birth date. He's a, uh, in Greek, a Persian mythology, he's the god of light. And in the uh, 3rd and 4th century A.D., Three to 400 years after Christ was born, uh, a cult of Mithra uh, was the chief rival to Christianity. They were enemies. They were not friends. And with the Roman Catholic Church saying that Christmas celebrations began around 115 A.D. and Mithra's birthday celebrations began around 136 A.D., it is easy to see that Mithra worshipers may have been the one that hijacked the date. See? If you can't beat them, join them. 
and then use your joining to, to throw rocks at them. Um, who is Dionysus? Well, he's another character in the Greek mythology. Um, there's no documentation anywhere of his birthday. Just these guys in the 1800s boldly saying these things, uh, throwing rocks at the church. Then Nimrod, he's a character in Genesis. His birth date is not given. So there may be some Nimwits out celebrating his birthday on December 25th, but there's no proof. And Krishna, Hindus are an ongoing religion. These other things have long gone by the wayside. Hinduism's an ongoing religion, and they'll tell you his birthday is between August and September. That's not December 25th. And Sol Invictus, um, he mean, his name means unconquered son. And in 274 AD, on December 25th, Roman Emperor Aurelian succeeded at establishing worship of Sol Invictus, the unconquered son, as an official religion alongside other cults. And so he established it on December 25th. Not that he was born on December 25th. We're talking about fictitious mythological characters whose stories keep changing. So it seems the synchronizing of Christ's birth with that of pagan deities is suspect. Would you not say true? What is winter solstice or Saturnalia and Yule? Well, Yule is not documented as having anything to do in the world till 1400 AD. So Yule is a Johnny come lately. Nothing to do with December 25th. Winter solstice has to do with you know, the shifting of the earth in reference to the sun going to its coldest point in the north and uh, warmest point in the south. Uh, that is between December 17th and December 23rd. So I don't think Christ's birth has anything to do with worshiping the weather anyway. And what about St. Nicholas? Well, he was celebrated as a saint. He was a Turkish bishop. Celebrated as a saint on December 6th. How is that important? Well, to some people it is. And if it's important to you, study it out. You'll find all kinds of wild stuff out there. But keep digging till you find the truth. Real Christmas story is not a secular tale. There's all sorts of secular tales out there. I mean, there's a whole TV network called Hallmark that has made an industry out of Christmas. Christmas in July, Christmas here, Christmas there. These are spinoffs. They're, what came first, the chicken or the egg? The egg came first. Jesus is the egg. <laughs> These are spinoffs related to the gloriousness of the Christmas season. The word secular is an adjective denoting attitudes, activities, or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. Please do not spiritualize the Grinch or Charles Dickens or any of, your, any of your other favorite things. And by all means, if you're a believer, let Christ reign supreme in your home during the Christmas season. I mean, I love 
the Christmas story probably more than any of the other spinoff secular things about the boy who wanted the BB gun, but he was going to put his eye out. That song, is a, that movie's a classic. I'd watch it every year. Not that I watch movies over and over again. But that is not going to rule in my house, I'm sorry, and I'm not buying my grandkids a BB gun. The real Christmas story has never changed. Mythology changes. It just does. Uh, in my lifetime, uh, vampires have gone from being unable to be out in the daylight to being able to be out in the daylight. Uh, from having teeth that bite you to teeth that bite you that disappear. Uh, zombies, the myth of zombies, which actually comes from Haiti. It's a drug they give people that make them appear to be dead, and then they get them up in their drunken stupor, and oh, it's a dead man living. You know. So zombies in, in our fiction, fictitious, dramatized world have now learned to run. Now you run from zombies, and they can learn to do other things. What's going on? Well, myth, myths change, shift. Years, but the Christmas story has always been about a man named Joseph and a young virgin named Mary and a baby named Jesus who went to Bethlehem and there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, it wasn't that they uh, rejected them, it was just no room. The whole uh, uh, empire in that part of the world was in an uproar and people had to go to their hometowns, uh, their origins to register to be taxed and uh, there was no room, so they found a place where lambs are born, a stable, to house themselves where Jesus was born. And then later, possibly up to two years later, they're still there. Who knows, government can move slow, even in that day. They're in a house, and the wise men come. And it doesn't say there's three, there could be two, there was definitely more than one. Could have been an army of them. We do not know. But they followed what uh, their astrological equations determined and found the king of the Jews. And then escaped through an angelic intervention because Herod was going to kill all the male babies. As a result of their escaping, Herod wanted to find him to kill him. He was going to kill all the male babies two years and younger. So that part of the story has always been. It has not grown, it has not evolved. The Christmas movies that feature that story are getting better and better, but the essential elements of the story are still the same. The real Christmas story is all about Christ. It's not about sheep, it's not about shepherds, it's not about stars, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about eggnog, it's not about turkey, it's not about family reunions, it's all about Christ. It's not about singing, it's not about angels, it's not about wise men, it's not about camels. It's all about Christ. So in all the details of our family festivities, let's not lose sight of He is the reason for the season. And it's not just ignoring ignoring. Ignoring or acknowledging the historical facts, but it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Is he your Christ? Is he your Messiah? 
The angels declared, it doesn't say they sang, they declared peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But it's not even about that. It's about the Lord Jesus. There will be no peace on earth until he is Lord of the earth. And one day he's coming back again. We must keep in mind that just as they were wrong in looking for his first appearing, we're probably wrong in looking for his second appearing. He may come in a way we think not. The real Christmas story was relevant yesterday. The real Christmas story is relevant today and will be relevant tomorrow and will be relevant for eternity. For God sent his son into the world. Not that the world would be condemned, but that the world might be saved. The world was already condemned and in sin, and he came to provide the way out. The only way to the Father is through him and through his offering for us upon the cross. And it all began in Bethlehem. But we would not be celebrating him were it not for his death, burial, and resurrection, right? He'd be the good guy that came with mysterious circumstances surrounding his birth that we remember, and now he's gone. But he rose from the dead. So resurrection day overshadows all the days, but there would be no resurrection. There was no Jesus, right? So it's all interrelated. And we celebrate his birth this time of year. The real Christmas story is a witness to the world. I don't care what they spin off. They can write new Dr. Seuss stories. They can try to pervert the story and make it uh, about dogs or pigs or farms or cartoons. But if you follow the root of the story, it all goes back to the Lord. Even Muslims love Jesus. You know, they do believe in the virgin birth. I know I work with them. We work for tips at the Crescent Hotel, and they love the Christmas season because tips go up. They weren't going to denounce the birth of Jesus. It's a witness to the world. The whole world takes notice, and they can't get rid of it. They can criticize it, and all they do is just draw attention to it. <laughs> they could denounce it, and all they do is spread it like fire. He's there. He's stuck in the cultures of the world. The real Christmas story may be mocked by critics. They may make fun. They may produce documentaries that are full of half-truths, lies, and theories. It's still there. Deal with it. The real Christmas story is strong and endurable. No, no matter what you throw at it, we'll use it to preach Jesus. Watch this. What do they think they're doing? That's a painting of the nativity in a shark tank. How dare they? Saints, we can use that. He came into a hostile environment. Within two years of his birth, his family had to flee to another country to save his life. So he came into, this is a great metaphor, 
painting of the, of the nativity, came into a shark tank, a hostile world. People that were going to try to wipe him out. Isn't that beautiful? That's a Christmas story. The real Christmas story won't ever be erased. It's in our history books from now on. What year is it? B.C. to A.D. Or if you prefer the now popularized B.C.E. to C.E. Still there. Still there. And with the computer systems being what they are, remember Y2K? They can't mess with it. Somebody said, Jesus is Lord. Okay, the big question. What about Christmas trees? I've always endeavored to keep Christmas trees out of the auditorium. Not that I believe you would worship them, but because I believe controversy is not a good thing. And if one in here would cause someone to stumble and to disregard the preaching of the gospel, it's not worth it. So have them in your homes. And we'll have them in here maybe for some type of a celebration. But in worship, this is a multi-purpose room. When it's a sanctuary, when we're worshiping the Lord, you will not see Christmas trees when I'm pastor. These are not trees. These are scraggly winter trees. <laughs> if Christmas trees are wrong, then it's wrong to put birdhouses in your, in your trees. It's wrong to put wind chimes in your trees. It's wrong to put lights in your trees. If you use this verse. Jeremiah 10, verse 3 through 5, this is what people use. And you're going to see it's out of context. It says, for the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest and the work of the hands of the woodman with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. Sound like a Christmas tree, doesn't it? They are upright like a palm tree. Uh-oh. They cannot speak, they must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. What's going on? Christmas trees are a sin. We'll read the verse. Here's the clue within the verse. They cannot speak. This is an idol. They must be carried. This is an idol. Let's go to the beginning of the chapter. Verse 1. Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. And it begins to contrast Almighty God with idols. So hear the word, O house of Israel. Do not learn the way of the Gentiles, nor be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. So don't get shook up by the stars or blood moons. Don't get excited about that. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree, and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. Verse 8, but they are all together dull-hearted and foolish. A wooden idol is a worthless doctrine. Silver is beaten into plates. It is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphaz. 
the work of the craftsmen and of the hands of the metalsmith. Blue and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skillful men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and their everlasting king. Thus you shall say to them, verse 11, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from those under these heavens. Verse 14, everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. Every metal smooth is put to shame by an image, for his molded image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are futile, a work of errors. In the time of their punishment they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them. For he is the maker of all things, and Israel is a tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. So Jeremiah 10 is talking about idols. Who cuts the branches off their tree and puts faces and lips and legs on it? And puts your hope in it? You don't, it's decorations. If Christmas trees are wrong, then bouquets are wrong. I do have one caution about Christmas trees. The farms paint them green. They are drier, the real ones, are drier than you realize. I worked at a Christmas tree lot one year. Christmas Day, you just couldn't sell them anymore. You couldn't even give them away. Why? Everybody already had them. So we burned them, and we were amazed. One match, they explode into flames. So a fake tree is better in that sense. Habakkuk 2 says this about idolatry. Verse 18, what profit is the image that its maker should carve it, the molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols? Woe to him who says to wood, awake to silent stone, arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet in it there is no breath at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. was talking about idolatry. The Christmas tree was really popularized by Martin Luther who had experienced a cold winter night looking at the wonders of the stars through the trees of the fir trees in the area of Germany where he was living. And so he came home and wanted to put together some kind of reflection on that to tell the Christmas story. And so I'm not saying he did the first Christmas tree but so he, he purposed it for that reason. So just like every day is alike to the Lord, if you don't want a tree, we will not judge you. If you want a tree, we will, we will not judge you. Now, if you want to worship a tree or worship the presence under the tree, you know, uh, you got Buddha out in the backyard offering sacrifices, you got a problem. It's that simple. Everything is not a sin, saints. We have fun in the Christian life. Amen? Who was raised in a denomination where a lot of things were sinful? I remember Jeff Ferris was telling me, <laughs> yeah, he raised his hand. He is part of a group that if you had a picnic, you had to lay your ketchup bottles on their side because someone driving by might think you were drinking beer. I grew up in a home where you couldn't have comic books. Comics were evil. Couldn't have a television, but boy, when we were in a motel room, the TVs were turned on. <laughs> One time I left some of our clothes behind, and I was in big trouble for a couple days because everybody in the family was missing some clothes because I was so busy watching TV when we were loading the car. 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the incarnation. We thank you for whatever reason it started in that second century, that the celebration began, that is embedded in the culture of the world. Even though it may be a worldly celebration, we recognize the roots would not be there were it not for you. Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of those who have been dissuaded and uh, discouraged by rumors, falsehoods, theories, imaginations. Lord, let us return to you being the reason for the season. And Lord, I pray if anyone in this room is not born again, Lord, we're celebrating your birth. Lord, may this season be a celebration of new birth as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, you're here with me. Wonderful Counselor, the government is resting on your shoulders.
holidays don't lose your mind you don't know if this may be their custom you want them to be real with you right they don't believe in Jesus what does Merry Christmas mean coming from their lips right it's with the heart that believes that confession is made so return a happy holy days that's the root of the word holiday anyway right we're living in holy days every day is holy to us right every day is a day of resting in the Lord and may he bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you live in this hostile shark tank called the world. Celebrate Jesus, the reason for the season and our reason for living. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get him, tigers. Thank you so much.